Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Naz Podcast. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Did you make it to watch the ball drop last night? There's a mixed crowd. Uncle Jeremy made it. Well done, Uncle Jeremy. I'm in uh, Psalms 73 tonight. Tonight? I made it to midnight. So, tonight. This morning, I'm still in Psalm 73. If you'd like to open your Bible and follow along. Let me remind you... uh, Peter made the announcement about our Wednesday night programming restarting on Wednesday the 4th this week, and so come and be a part of that. These first two weeks are, there is only the the study through Renovation of the Heart, the book by Dallas Willard that is available in the Welcome Center after church. Pastor Becca will be there. Uh, We're asking for a $10 donation just to cover the cost of those used books that we have had shipped here, Uh, but don't let the cost send you away without a book. Uh, Get a book if you're interested in reading Renovation of the Heart with us. We'll be going chapter by chapter, so for Wednesday, read the first chapter if you want to be caught up and and reading along, and I hope that you'll do that. Then, starting the 18th of January, there is a a study for couples, and so if, uh, if you think your spouse would benefit from that, uh, you're welcome <laughs> to be a part of that, uh, and and I would understand if you if you ditched out on renovation of the heart so that you could support your step spouse as they take advantage of of that. I wanted to to just make a note. We have a lot of people who volunteer on Wednesday nights, and so we recognize that Wednesday night isn't ideal for every couple, and so we do plan on offering a marriage focused curriculum event. It's a little vague at this moment, but it is coming in the, in the future. The, this calendar year, we will have some marriage-focused programming for people who also volunteer every Wednesday night with youth or, or children. And so I just wanted to make that clear that that is coming and, and it will be available. It, it will be high-caliber curriculum similar to what we're doing on Wednesday nights. It'll just be a different format or a different evening so that people can can take advantage of that. And then a reminder of Thursday morning prayer, 6 a.m. via Zoom. I send that link out uh, a few different ways. It arrives in your text if you get the the prayer text updates. If you don't get those and you would like to, Fill out a digital connect card, and we will make sure that you get added where you want to, or just send us an email at office at firstnaz.com, or just come up and tell me, and I'll try to remember. I'll write the email for you. How's that? Well, Happy New Year. We begin the new year, 2023. We made it through 2022. I hope it was a great year. Honestly, I I hope for you it it was filled with joy and, and hope and excitement. And if, if it was a year of challenges and difficulty, I, I hope that you sense God's presence with you in spite of the challenges and difficulty. And, and I wish you not just a happy new year, a joyous new year. I wish you a year that, that is filled with joy that comes from knowing that God is with you. Uh, there, are, there are 
undoubtedly going to be times in this coming year that are not happy. It's just the nature of, of a year. We go through seasons of happiness and excitement, and we go through seasons that we, we don't have happiness, that, that circumstances or difficulties rob us of our happiness. We believe that we can continue to have joy in spite of our circumstances. And so I, I wish you a joyous new year, a year where, where you sense God giving you joy, like deep down in your heart, like the, the kids song, you know, down, down in my heart to stay. Um, so as we begin a new year, I'm a goal setter. I'm, I'm a person who likes goals. I like SMART goals. I, you know, SMART is an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, and timely or time-bound. I particularly like to think about I, written, written, which is kind of the specific piece of that, Timely, so I know when a goal is supposed to be accomplished, and and realistic, the like attainable piece of it. So those are the three the three things I really focus in on. So I'd encourage you as as you're thinking through the year to come to to make some goals to consider what will mark this year for you. And and I have been on Facebook this last couple of weeks encouraging you to know how you are going to be formed spiritually in this coming year. To, to have some, some spiritual goals or some ideas of how you are going to put yourself in God's presence over the coming year so that you will know that you are being, being formed on purpose by, by the Lord rather than by on whatever you happen to lay your eyes on over the course of the year. Um, I am goaling, I, I goal every year to, to average three books a month. I didn't make it in 2022. I was like four books short, I think. It was lame. Uh, so 2023, here I come. I'm almost finished with the book, so like I have a leg up. Um, and then this, this year, I'm in the church. I have some, some goals related to our, our mission. And so as, as a reminder, in, in our church, our, our vision, our big, our big thing is, is making Christ-like disciples in the nation. That's, that is who we are. But we have a mission to be, to be a growing congregation of all generations who is intentionally following Jesus, graciously doing life together, joyfully serving, and loving everyone. And so I, I have some, some ideas for some goals to, to write down in a couple of those categories. And this idea of being formed really fits into our intentionally following Jesus. We, we want to be people who intentionally put ourselves in the way of God's presence. And, and so we, we want to know how, how God is going to form us. For, for myself this year, I'm planning on doing the, the, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers' classic devotional. Uh, I've already read January 1st, so My Utmost for His Highest. That's the theme for today. Uh, so, so uh, I, I hope that you will know. I also, I receive a, a daily meditation from Father Richard Rohr, and I don't intend to go through that daily, but I hope to use it three to five times a week, and so that's kind of my rhythm, and so I'd encourage you to know, know what it is, know what it is that is going to form you this year. 
Uh, as your pastor, I, I hope you will frequently, through the course of 2023, put yourself in the way of God's presence. As frequently as possible, get close to God. James 4.8 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. It, it says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And I, I really believe that it is that much of an axiom. I, I don't think there are a lot of axioms in Scripture. I don't think there are a lot of times when we can force God's hand. I don't think we force God's hand, but I think there is incredible truth in this verse that says, as we put an effort into drawing close to God, God is faithful and kind and good to us and will draw near to us. And, and I believe that there is nothing more beneficial for your life than drawing close to God. There is nothing that will change your outlook on life like being in God's presence on a regular basis. There is nothing that will make you wiser in the year to come than being in God's presence because what is the beginning of wisdom? The beginning of wisdom, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and so putting ourselves in God's presence as frequently as possible so we get our place in, in the hierarchy between us and God right is really important. And, and there's nothing that will uh, help you have better, more understanding relationships with the people you love than frequently putting yourself in God's presence, than getting yourself into that place where you can hear from the Lord about the people you love where you can talk to the Lord about the people you love. Those, those moments are going to shape your relationships to be more, more life-giving and powerful than anything else you can do. And so this year, we're, we're drawing close to Christ. We're intentionally following Jesus by praying frequently and meditating on God's word, by understanding God's word through study, by, by finding true and honest fellowship with one another. And, and today I'm taking us to a passage that explores the, the importance of the presence of God in our lives. Psalm 73 uh, shows us how simply entering God's presence changes our outlook on the world and on ourselves and, and changes everything for us. So the psalm begins with the testimony of faith. Psalm 73 verse 1 says, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. If we were just looking at verse 1, we would say, oh, this is going to be a nice psalm of praise. This is a nice psalm of praise. It begins with these, these uplifting words. We should have started the worship service with this. God is good. And we just think, oh, you know, you can almost hear the, the, the happy preacher say, God is good. And, and it's just so, so uplifting. And, and then we realize immediately in verse 2, the psalmist comes with some confessions to make. And in, in verse 2, we see, but as for me, as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. The psalmist describes that feeling of knowing that God is still good. Don't forget verse 1 when you read verse 2. God is good, but as for me, I was losing my spot. And, and the psalmist describes a sinking feeling, slipping, his feet are slipping out from under him as he tries to understand how God is good, but the world isn't making sense. God hasn't gone anywhere, but there has been a change in the relationship between the psalmist and God. And, and he says he is almost 
gone. I was almost gone. He sensed that his connection with the good God of Israel has almost been severed completely. But he diagnoses, and so we'll read a little bit longer chunk here. Verses 3 through 12, he says, For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut through the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what is happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. The psalmist confessed that his feet have been slipping, but it's because of those, those people. It's because he's looked at the, at the boastful and the proud. It's those people. It's their fault, right? How could anybody not slip when they see the, the proud and the boastful and, and the wicked prospering? And, and he, he's not prospering like them. I mean, why? They have taken, uh, he has taken this as a reason to take his focus off of God. He's taken his focus off of God and, he, and he's begun to look at all of these arrogant people. What, what has led to their ease except for pride and wickedness? And, and they're, they're advancing at the expense of others. Even their outright mockery of God. And the psalmist looks at this situation and he wonders about his own faith. It's, it's hard to see what he summarizes in verse 12 and keep your faith. He says, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. He began to think maybe they were on to something. Maybe they were on to something. Maybe they'd figure something out about the true meaning and value of life. And the rest of us are just kind of squandering our days in fact, he, he brings up his seeming futility in, in verses 13 and 14 when he said, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. So the psalmist has convinced himself by looking at the, at the wicked that he's chosen the wrong path. That he has chosen the wrong way, choosing to follow God instead of finding myself important, instead of living proudly, instead of winking at evil, disregarding the Lord's instructions. The, the psalmist wants to know, has it really been, it's just added up to nothing? All, all of my attempting to be faithful, was it just a huge mistake after all? And you know, these are, these are dangerous words in the, in the community of the faithful. 
Uh, we, we don't know. That there's lots of argument over this psalm about how it might have been used originally. This is, this is the songbook of worship that Jesus would have known, the book of Psalms. This, is, this, is, this book is how people worshiped God for hundreds of years uh, and, and still do. I mean, for thousands of years, this is a worship book. And, and so the, the church has debated about how, how is this psalm used in worship? How, how do we find this in, in the book about worshiping God, instructing us and giving us clues about how to worship God. And the, the, psalmist, the psalmist admits that these are thoughts that good religious people don't speak out loud. Uh, these, these are dangerous and blasphemous words. And so we read in verses 15 and 16, if I have, had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. And there you really have it. The, the psalmist admits that envying the proud, questioning his own faith, considering throwing in the towel, um, and, and perhaps worst of all, he knows that if he talked about this to other religious people, if he talked about this to, to other people of faith, they would say, you're crazy, man. You need to get your stuff together. You know, pull, pull up your big boy pants and, and just deal with it. This is not, these are not questions that we ask around here. He says, I, I'd be considered blasphemous and a traitor if I raised these questions. And, and I think it, this is an important moment for us to just take a quick aside and consider why, why the Spirit has, has left this psalm for us today. God has guided the process of this book arriving to us today. Why, why has God guided this particular psalm into our church for today? And, and I, I think that, this, that, that the presence of this psalm admits for us that these are universal human questions. These are universal questions for, for people who are attempting to live faithfully for God. In fact, maybe everyone struggles to understand their faith. People of faith have for centuries wondered why other people of faith seem to have so much certainty and, and they don't. People of faith have wondered for centuries why smart, intelligent-seeming people walk away from faith or have no faith and seem to be so content and, and so full of life when I'm trying to struggle to hold on to my last bit of faith in God and, and it doesn't seem like I have near the contentment of, of the people I know who are walking away from the faith. People, people have been asking questions like this for centuries and, and we as a church, we, we try to live uh, with certainty where we can have certainty. As, as a church, as a church, we have certainty in the person of Jesus. We have certainty that Jesus died for us and rose for us. We, we 
We claim that and, and we try to live into that. We believe that salvation, that what Jesus offered us was not just like a once and done sort of experience. That Jesus offered us, it, it's not like get baptized and you're going to heaven forever, but what Jesus offered is, is to transform us more into his likeness. We, we feel very certain that that's what scripture tells us about the life of faith. And so we press hard into trying to let God transform us by the power of his presence in our lives. We, we feel like we have certainty on that. We don't feel like we have certainty about what the Bible says about the end of times. Uh, we think Jesus is coming back to set things straight, but we're not going to get in fights and, and arguments over it because we, we don't know. We're a little agnostic on that. And, and so we don't, we don't purport to have certainty where we don't have certainty. We try to press hard into God's word where we think we have certainty. But when it comes to these everyday doubts that we have about our faith, doubts that the psalmist is airing here in verses 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, the doubt is, is it worth it? Have I chosen the right path? Those are common doubts among God's faithful people. The psalm is here to remind us that these are not questions that are out of bounds. And, you know, as the psalmist says, maybe it would make me a traitor to God's people if I admitted from a pulpit in a church of Nazarene that there have been moments when I have looked at my own faith and I've said, really? Really? Where moments where it has, has seemed almost too much to believe, where it's been, a, it's been hard to believe. Uh, moments where I have, have doubted seriously. Um, where I wonder why people who walk away from the faith sometimes seem better off than people who try to remain faithful. I, I've struggled with these exact same questions. I, these are not questions that are out of bounds for the Christian faith. It, it, is, it is not disqualifying to continue to call yourself a Christian and a believer and, and still ask these hard questions of your faith. Um, I, the point of this morning is to look at the psalmist's answer. If you ever want to talk to me about my own answer, I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to have coffee or, or lunch sometime and, and tell you why I haven't. It's not just because it's my job. That would be a stupid reason to, to continue to be a believer. Uh, I, but I, I believe that God has, has answered some of those questions, and, and I'm sure that there are coming days when it'll come back and I'll, I'll have to answer the questions again. Because I, I, I think this is sort of the, the cyclical part of being a believer. We, we go through moments of, of incredible confidence incredible confidence in moments of, of heartbreaking doubt and question. Uh, but the, the, the purpose this morning is to, to look at the psalmist's answer. So, so let's move forward. We're, he, we return to the psalmist who, who has reached the height of his agony in, in verse 16. He, he's tried to understand 
why the wicked prosper. It's too difficult. It, what a difficult task it is. And, and so we read on in verses 17 through 20 as some light begins to, to come. When I went into your sanctuary, O God, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Um, truly, you have put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at a dream in the morning. In these verses, there, there's a dramatic change in the outlook of the psalmist. Uh, the gloom over the carefree success over the, of the wicked has been replaced by this confidence in, in God that their path is, is not actually the right path. And the change takes place in verse 17. Do you see what happens? What happens in verse 17? You can say. What do you, what do you see? Thank you. Then I went to your sanctuary, O God. I went to your sanctuary, O God. The psalmist stopped viewing the world through the lens of envy. The psalmist went into God's presence and began to see the world through the lens of God's presence. He, he, took, he had taken his eyes off of, of his Lord. He had begun to put his eyes on, on the things that looked like the good life. And, and uh, this is why I think it's important for us. It's essential for us to as frequently as possible encounter the presence of God. This, this psalm explains the importance of knowing how we will be formed in the year to come. This, this is an argument for, for daily prayer and meditation, for daily scripture reading, for weekly at least worship, and for weekly at least fellowship with other believers. Because when, when viewed through the eyes of envy, when viewed through the eyes that, that the world will naturally lead us to, to looking at the outside world, it begins to seem invincible. It, it continues to go on with, without regard for God, and it seems to be getting away with it. Like everyone around us seems to be laughing in the face of God and, and seems to be living better than us who are trying to be faithful. But when viewed from inside the presence of God, it is no longer so hard to understand it, it is no longer troubling for us, these, these conditions in the world. Because when viewed from the strength of God's presence, even as fragile and frail human beings, the, the strength and power of the wicked looks feeble. The proud cannot claim to be viable in the long time frame view of God. And so entering God's presence gives the psalmist new perspective on the world. The, the upside-downness of the world is turned around and put right when it's viewed through the lens of God's presence. This is what the kingdom of God does for us. This is, this is what, what Jesus' kingdom has promised. It takes the power of our world and it turns it on its head. And, and we who are citizens of Jesus' kingdom, we can see that in, in God's timing, God's justice will not fail. 
And, and as believers, we are people who have a long view of history. We are not concerned with, with today as much as we are concerned with the next decade, as much as we are concerned with eternity. We are people who see the long way out and see that ultimately God's plan will be fulfilled. It may look bleak, it may look dark, but we know that God will accomplish his purpose. We know this because we know that God is working in us. And the changes that we see in us have not come overnight. The changes that have come in us have come as we have year after year put ourselves in the way of God's presence. And and when we look at the, the long view of what God has done in us, we can see God is working even when it doesn't seem like God is working. It, it may not be visible from our finite perspective, but in the long run, God is working. And so in the presence of God, we take refuge to have our vision set right. Not just about the world, but even about ourselves. The psalmist comes clean about his own self-evaluation in verses 21 through 26. We read, Then I realized that my heart was bitter And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. It's amazing when we get into God's presence, not only does all of the world fall into place and we can see how how we fit in it, we begin to see ourselves more accurately. We begin to see how, how we have had a wrong evaluation of ourselves and how our focus has been on the wrong things in this world. When our focus is on those who we envy, or on what we don't have in comparison to others, we lose sight of who we are. We begin to think that we are, that our value and and who we are is based on how we relate to other people. God has always said, your value and who you are is based on how you relate to me. God has called us into relationship with him so we would know who we are. We have to set ourselves right with God before we can understand anything else about ourselves. We have to put ourselves in his presence so that he can, he can sit us down and remind us who we are. Our health may fail. Our spirit may go, grow weak, according to the psalm. We, we may think that it means God has abandoned us, but the psalmist realizes that those are, those are just the foolish words of somebody who has taken their their focus off of God. And so, so the psalmist understands it, upon entering God's presence that he is loved, that God has never let go of his hand. <laughs> Whom have I in heaven but you, he says. And, and that's why the, the worries of this world, they can't, they can't carry him away. They can't, they can't take him away from, from who he is in God. But, 
we have to remain focused on, on God's presence in us and around us and through us. And so he summarizes in the last two verses of the psalm, verses 27 and 28, we read, Those who desert, it, desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. That is the anti-James uh, 4.8, by the way. Um, those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. James 4.8. Uh, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Uh, for as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. The psalm takes this, this huge arc, right? It starts with this, this descent into self-loathing and doubt and, and comparison. And, and then through entering the presence of God, it, it comes around and it, it realizes who, who the psalmist is and, and how he relates to God and why his life matters and why his faith matters because he has, he has found who he is. The, the psalmist has to re-understand, though, from, from that descent, the psalmist has to re-understand what it means to say that God is good. Because the psalmist was looking at the prosperity of the wicked. The psalmist was looking at all of the things that look like God's blessing on earth and said, well, how come I don't have those things? I want those things. I want wealth. I, well, why do the people who abandon God and mock God have, have all of those good things? And, and so the psalmist has to reimagine what it means to say God is good. Because God's goodness isn't prosperity written in human terms. God's goodness is simply God's presence. God's goodness is simply God's presence. And, and so being far from God ends up being the worst thing that could happen to a person. It caused the psalmist to begin to think that he had wasted his life. Being close to God gives us proper perspective on ourselves and on our world. And so that's why at the beginning of the year and all through the year, you're going to hear me say, Get yourself into God's presence. Keep attentive to the practices that will help you cultivate God's presence in your life. Be attentive. Worship regularly. You, you don't only have to come to church on Sunday to worship. You can, there's lots of good worship music available. There's lots of opportunity to worship in silence. There's lots of opportunity to, to talk about the goodness of God to yourself pray. Pray without ceasing, Scripture tells us. Remember that God's presence is constantly with us, and God desires a dialogue with us constantly. Read Scripture. Meditate on Scripture. Read through it slowly and let it shape who you are so you understand it at a deeper level. Don't just let your eyes pass over the words, but, but just steep in it. Uh, take advantage of fasting. Take away the things that we depend on, like a meal. And remember that God provides everything we need. 
fellowship, by which I mean a smaller group than this. I'm sorry, this, this can be fellowship, but you, you can't fellowship with, with 100 or more at a time. A smaller group who, who you know are praying for you and for whom you are praying. Gather, gather regularly with people to, to encourage one another and pray for each other, to study together. And so to that end, you're going to hear announcements probably every week about small groups are available through our church. We've got a list on the Welcome Center in the back there. If you're not already in a small group, join a small group. You, you are going to hear me almost weekly say, join me at 6 a.m. for prayer via Zoom. It's a great time, great way to start your Thursday morning. I believe that God shapes us as we serve, and so you are going to hear frequently about opportunities to be in service to the congregation and to the community through our congregation over this coming year. Because I believe that our practicing God's presence will continue to move us as a congregation further and further into the plan that God has for us. Uh, to be a church that is truly making Christ-like disciples. To be a church that is truly a growing community of all generations, intentionally following Jesus, graciously doing life together, joyfully serving and loving everyone. I believe without God's presence working in us, you know, we are super capable. We are a bunch of amazing people. Uh, we can do a lot of it all on our own. But if we're going to do something on the scale that God is calling us to, we need to frequently put ourselves in the way of God's presence so he can shape us and, and be at work in us. And so uh, today we're, we're going to end our ser service with a, with a song, I believe. And uh, I'm just going to invite us, though, to, to spend a few moments um, praying and, and putting ourselves in the way of God's presence. You've set aside this time this morning. We still have lots of time before, before lunch if, if you snacked as much as I did getting to midnight last night, you're not hungry anyway. Uh, we're we're going to just spend a few minutes, though, just inviting God's presence to, to speak to us, to, that God would, would move and that we would experience, experience his presence to, to do what God would do among us and in us, not controlling what God would do, not asking, not telling God what God will do, just asking God to speak. I invite you to find a posture that, that helps you do that. If, if it's here at the altar, if it's where you are, just invite you. And I'll, I'll begin by praying. I'll give you a few, few minutes of quiet. And let's, let's enter into God's presence. Let's recognize God's presence. Lord, you have not gone anywhere. You have been good. You are always good. We, we confess, Lord, that at times... We take our eyes off of your goodness. We confess, Lord, that at times we, we focus on the things that we don't have. We focus on the things that um, other people do have. We, we think about how other people must have figured it out and we've gotten it wrong. But Lord, we, we come to you this morning asking that you would fix our perspective. And so, God, here we are. We've set aside this time to come into your presence. 
Help us now, Lord, to hear your voice, to hear you speak. God, I know that there are brothers and sisters here among us who, who have many of the doubts that the psalmist talks about, who look at the world around us and wonder if they haven't chosen the wrong path. God, I pray that you would speak to them in a way that just gives them certainty of your love, certainty that you have not let go of their hand. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to shape us. We are people of a long view, so we lay out the long view in front of ourselves with you guiding our thoughts. We see how you are going to be at work. We see the ways that you are going to form us this year. We see the people that you have asked us to, to help form in this year. Those that will walk alongside us, enter your presence with us. We see the way that this church will form us in the year to come. We see the ways, Lord, in, in the year to come that you are calling us to service. In our mind's eye, Lord, we can see a year from today. The first Sunday of next year will be January 2nd. We, we see how you will have shaped us. We see the faith that will, will mark our lives. We see how you will have provided for us. You see, Lord, all of the ways that we will say, God has been good to me. We remember, Lord, that you will go with us from this place into this week. If we, if we allow you, God, you will place our steps. You will, you will tell us what to speak. You will use our actions and our words to to be a blessing to others. As, as this is an opportunity to see things from, from a new, new side, Lord, a new year, new perspective, we see, God, how you, you will be at work in new ways. You will use us in new ways. We come back once again to, to your presence that's right here. Breathing it in deeply, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your nearness, for your goodness. We pray that you would receive our worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.